Hello listeners, welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry, I'm a writer and editor at Anime Feminist. I freelance all over the web. You can find most of the stuff I do by going to my Twitter, at WriterVry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host, at TrashPod. Uh, and with me on this continuing journey down the Evangelion watch-along are our three guests, D, Isaac, and uh, Lizzie. Hi there, my name is Lizzie. You might know me as that nerdy Boliviane. You can follow me on Twitter at Lizzie Visitante. Uh, you can find anything I've ever done on my website, thatnerdyboliviane.com. On my about page, you'll have my PayPal and Patreon information if you want to financially support my struggles. And I'm Isaac, um, former associate features editor for Crunchyroll on hiatus anime blogger and on Twitter at iblessall, although... Um, as I've said before, I'm locked, so you'll have to request if you want to see my good, good content. And I am Dee. Uh, I'm the managing editor at Anifem. Uh, you can find all of my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And this week we are doing what I'm sure you've all been waiting for at home. We have hit the back half of Ava. Uh, this week we are covering episodes 14 to 20. How are you feeling, kids? bad i surprisingly feel okay i i don't know what i was expecting i think what really i started seeing oh i see what you're talking about now was on episode 20 that's when i feel mm-hmm. like ah look at that the imagery from the opening makes sense here hmm. good that's yes I, I would like to point out once again now that it may uh be a little bit more of interest to you, but uh, so this is the point when Ava started wildly diverging from its original, you know, intended planning documents uh, that its sponsors had asked for, which are, may I remind you, to sell some toys <laughs> and um, <laughs> new censorship laws literally were invented in the wake of Evangelion, primarily because of the cannibalism scene and also maybe more surprisingly from a modern perspective, the sex scene between Masato and Kaji. They got in a lot of trouble. Oh, yeah, that extremely risque shot of the cup on <laughs> the counter. Whew. Yes, but Sailor Moon made so many sex noises, you yeah, guys. And, that, and, and those sound effects, I was like, okay, um, that's interesting, and yeah. Yeah, this aired during a primetime slot. This was not a late night anime. Oh, I see. That makes a lot more sense. Surprise! Yeah. Look, look, mommy, Uh look what I'm watching. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a real scrambling behind the scenes getting into these later episodes of, oh shit, oh shit, we are are bleeding sponsors left and right, Uh, which is why you start to see a lot more uh, use of... uh, creative animation techniques uh ava really pioneered and popularized that thing that's very common now in anime where you shoot a character from the back so you don't have to animate their lip flaps Mm -hmm. and also a lot of reused footage so many silhouettes too that saves Mm -hmm. you some time and space as well yeah all right let's see there's so much here i'm wondering where to begin why don't we start with ray because we haven't really talked much about her yet but she kind of gets some really big monologues through this stretch. Hmm. I feel like there's just so much to say about her when I think in the, um, I think it was in the recap episode. I think that's when it happened where she really starts mm-hmm. talking about the world objectively and is questioning her own existence. Like, you know, I'm finding the undertones about her really uncomfortable when Shinji's like, hmm, you sort of have this motherly feeling to you, and I don't know why. And I'm like, hmm, I, I have a feeling that'll make me uncomfortable later. We'll see, you know. Why Why wait? It can make you uncomfortable I, now. I mean, yeah, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> now, but I'm hoping nothing stupid happens. Like, she looks like his mom or something. Like, I don't know. I mean, she is named the name that Shinji's dad was going to give him if he had not Ben Shinji. Also, which is, you know, totally. Oh yeah, okay. I forgot about that. Very cool. Yeah. Also, she has the same voice actress as uh, Shinji's mom, oh, Yui. Great. So never mind. 
I had recognized cool. Megumi Hayashibara from a mile away, and as soon as she started talking, I was like, same person! Um, yeah. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I. But, yeah, I mean, what, what do you have to say, Isaac? Because I feel like there's probably more than I'm missing here, but yeah. Well, I think the main, the two main things I took out of her monologue were insubstantial. One was that she said she didn't like the color red, so that makes sense why she doesn't really seem to care for Asuka much. <laughs> and, um, That's so I love, great. That <laughs> and there is also this is just like a, I guess a reference, and I can't, I don't even, I well, I think, but there's a show called Mart, Martin's Successor in Nadeshko, um, that is kind of a parody tribute to a lot of different um giant robot shows that came before it and there's the there's a scene in the ray episode where there's like bunches like a bunch of her like all lined up in a line um and i think i mentioned this before but it's kind of interesting coming back to ava after having seen so much stuff that came after it and you like hook into these little referential anchors that you've seen places before um and you're like, oh, I know, I feel like this is a reference to something, but I don't really know what. And then you watch Ava and you're like, oh, okay. So that's where that came, that comes from. So, yeah, I mean, those moments, it's, you know, it's kind of fun that those moments continue to um, crop up even as the show sorts of, get, sorts of gets less like fun entertainment and more feel bad entertainment. Yeah, that, I guess that's. I am also interested to know, especially as we've been talking about the translation, how did the heady philosophical stuff, both in Ray's monologues and, you know, in episode 20, what have you, how did that hit you guys? Like, did it make sense? Did you get something out of it? I'm making some rude hand gestures that nobody can see. (laughs) (laughs) See, again, I think this is like sort of where the like fact that I haven't seen any translation before this like kind of because you know I feel like I've seen anime before that do this kind of philosophical stuff and it sort of just comes across as like mumbo jumbo I'm like okay they're like talking about sort of these like heady philosophical things but there's not really much rhyme or reason to it and that is honestly how I felt about a lot of that sort of stuff um in the Mm -hmm. in those moments in these episodes I was just like well they're like talking about all these philosophical things but i don't really it doesn't it just seems like more like window dressing than actual actual substance that's my I think reaction for me is like i have a hard time really caring about the philosophical stuff being said in the show i mean they're saying really big things and important things that i like about the about themselves and probably stuff for the future but i find myself just not really caring as much or maybe it's just not hitting me the way the show wants me to to feel about a certain character scene or whatever so I don't know I think about other stuff like other shows that I think have done talking about like philosophy and spirituality let's say like I mean the shows have nothing to do with this but like I think of Natsumi Yujincho or like Mushishi that were very heavy in like philosophical and spiritual themes but I feel like because those sh- those shows were f- primarily focused on that and maybe it's also the writing that a lot of themes and ideas came a strong came across to me much more strongly in shows like that versus here where I feel like it's very empty yeah but because right the thing about philosophical stuff in anime is it had to to really work if people are going to monologue about it it has to really have uh, have its foundation in the like rest of the show and the action of the show and the characters and I guess I'm just not I'm not sure that I'm convinced that and again it could be a matter of the translation but I'm just not convinced that it had the philo- philosophy stuff has as much grounding as it ought in the action and characters my, my, D, I feel like you have something <laughs> to say I feel like I'm gonna <laughs> open floodgates and I'm never gonna be able to stop and so I'm trying to make sure I you know only hit the things I want to say and also that I don't piss off folks listening um, here's my thing with this stretch of episodes it's very frustrating because to me it is very inconsistent mm. uh, and I think those 
it will have these really good stretches that are similar to the way the show was in the first half, where it is telling us about the characters and their struggles and their relationships with one another through the action, through their interactions, through the dialogue. And there are very good, powerful scenes. The entire Toji arc is great yeah. in this stretch. It's very, yeah. very good. And I know we'll, we'll dig into that later. And you get a you get a really good sense of what Shinji's struggles are and what his you know growth or development is and the other characters you know opposing viewpoints and how they impact each other. And the show's moving along at a really good pace and you have a really good feel for everybody and you're invested in the story. And then I think it, about three times in this stretch, it's in the recap episode, it's uh, when Shinji gets sucked into the black hole, and then in, then in episode twenty um, when he becomes soup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those three it just it grinds everything to a screeching halt because near as i can tell once i parse through all the philosophical musings that are happening in those episodes they're just saying the same things we already knew from the character interactions that we've seen up to this point we're not mm -hmm. moving anybody forward we're not getting anything new out of those um so to me they just slow down the story uh ava gets up its own ass, quite frankly. Uh, oh yes, with the, with the philosophical jargon and the and the quote unquote science, and I don't think it serves a point because I think the other scenes are doing the same thing better. Yeah, that was. Thank you for reminding me because that was yes. absolutely a point I wanted to make uh, for uh, Isaac and Lizzie. You two, is that. I think it is interesting to ask your opinion, and I'm going to continue to do so, because spoilers, this shit don't go away. <laughs> um, but, so I think it's interesting to know your thoughts on those, but I want to tell you, don't get too lost in them if they're not working or making sense to you. Like, there is endless discourse in uh, among Ava fans going way back of, that's not what a Duroc C is, and then everybody tears their hairs out and a physicist screams. <laughs> Um, but oh that's like an actual thing not yeah just it's, it's like a real thing anime sci-fi they made up and it is not i don't know what it is but i know it, i have read enough to know it's not what they're describing it as <laughs> um, excellent and for so the reason i asked about the translation is because i was trying to suss out whether for me it's just because i've watched this show so many damn times and like had it wash over me enough that i'm kind of able to pick up at least what it was trying to say um but i also kind of think that the one upside of this translation is the fact that it's so bare bones and lacking in character is it's actually a lot less up its own ass than the old one like i could <laughs> i could make out uh what what theories were were being uh, posited. It's a lot of Lacan, by the way. Fucking Lacan. Um, Do you want to give our listeners a quick sum up? Um, yeah, so it's going to come back more and more like specifically name dropped, but Lacan is basically this theorist who uh, posits that is, at a very young age, we see ourselves in the mirror um, and we we begin to know that there is something outside of ourselves and that creates a, a like an emptiness in our in our being that we're ever that, that we spend the rest of our life trying to fill and the first other is the mother because that's the other big important person in our lives so that's why there's so much oedipal shit in Ooh, here let's get it. um yeah, so there's that later yeah yeah um but for me personally i there are things I like a, about these episodes the philosophy ain't particularly it I think some of the imagery is interesting but mostly what I really want to get off my chest because it came right back to me this time is these episodes feel real is when it starts to feel really manufactured in certain ways. Um, I, I like to call Ava the world's most beloved first draft. And I think this is the point where Anno is tr starting to try to work through his shit, his personal shit. Oh, and yeah. it's like he's musing that out on the page. And so as he does that, the action that is happening, the apocalypse and the fighting in the angels and the child soldier stuff and the metaphor for adolescence start to split in a way where it starts to become really obvious. Like if we take, if we take get in the robot as facing your problems in life, telling Shinji he can't just run away from shit makes sense. Fine. Your metaphor works, but you have to deal with the on the page plot shit that 
He's a child soldier, and these are reasonable reactions for him to be having. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think manufactured is... Uh, I'm glad you said that word, because that was... so. I was... I was just thinking because, you know, as I said in like the very first episode a lot, I ha- I can't come at this not having heard what I've heard from other people all the time. You know, Shindy needs to get in the robot, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, Ava's about depression. It's, you know, this deep, you know, emotional character study and whatnot. And, you know, I was just thinking at, at one point, I don't remember what episode it was. I think it was earlier in this batch that... You know, there are lots of concrete moments where Shinji grows, and I think he's grown a lot from where he was at the beginning of of the show. Um, and it sort of feels like in some ways there's a tension between, like, his personal, like, character issues, his depression, um, his, like, daddy issues, all of that, and then the sort of, like, broader, sort of like you were just saying, right, the broader, like, conflicts of the world. And so when the, you know, when we have to put Shinji through like an external trauma to kind of push him back down to where he was, like that's where I start to get, like things just start to rub me the wrong way when I feel like there's sort of like a universal, you know, exterior threat that's um, kind of beating him down when he's growing at the same time. Um, I think the, the Toji arc is... I was worried that was what was going to happen with the Toji arc. And then Shinji comes out of that and it's like he's grown again. And I'm like, okay, so that's that's good. Why do people want Shinji to get in the robot again? Because he was forced to play part in almost murdering his friend? I, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think you really hit it on the, the head because I, I think it certainly does the show a disservice that it does a deliberate parallel of the leaving the train station scene where the first time that happens there are no outward stakes shinji makes the decision to reach out on his own because he wants to get masato to know masato better and to sort of try with this family that he's tentatively started to make and it's a really great scene we talked a lot about that in the first episode whereas it comes to this uh moment and Shinji has made a decision. He's gonna leave, and he has no doubts about that because he has a moral objection and just a lot of mental trauma. So the universe has to contrive a way to make him stay. And it's real obvious. I yeah. hmm, I have kind of conflicted feelings about this. Go ahead, yeah, Lizzie. I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean, you know, like, it's uh, it's frustrating that the, for the majority of this arc, people tell Shinji what to do, but also they don't tell him necessary information that he probably needs to know. Like, it was frustrating that nobody was telling him that Toji was the the, the pilot for the other Ava. And I'm, and I'm like, that's actually really crucial information that he should know about because when he does find it should come out from somebody he trusts. But no one did. And then that then that's when he sees like Toji is like almost beaten to death and he does something really awful to him that scars him right and it goes to show how little his opinion really matters in the grand scheme of things everybody's plotting secretly behind his back and he's left to not really know what is happening in the background but meanwhile he's dealing with the brunt of those decisions in the background in the front lines right so Meanwhile, the metaphor is like, Shinji, you can't run away, though. None of this is in your control and no one tells you anything. But also, we do expect you to take responsibility for it. Mm. Sorry, come yeah. on, D. No, uh, okay, two things, two things. Uh, the first one, them not telling Shinji. And the other and the other thing with um, when he ends up getting back in the robot. Um, so I agree that I think that this arc, you can see the strings of the writer of the, you know the like like you guys were kind of saying like we have to get him back in the robot so the universe is basically conspiring against him or like there are so many times when anybody could have told him is Toji and it shouldn't have been as big of a deal as everybody made it out to be but they didn't yeah. um, and it feels like it's being done more for specific narrative purposes so I think that is uh, kind of a weakness when you can when you can see the the strings on the puppets. Uh, that having been said, I do sort of, I like the way that scene turns out with Shinji not knowing Toji is the one in the Berserk Eva, because I think it tells you a lot. I think it's very, it's obvious in a matter of course that if a character's 
close friend is in the other robot, he's going to refuse the order to take him down. Like, obviously. I think it's very telling of Shinji's character that he refuses to attack this person thinking it's just some random stranger. Like, he has no idea who's in there. Uh, but he still makes that choice. Like, no, I would rather die than kill somebody else. Um, I think that, for me, like, for Shinji's fun. character, I think that's a wonderful scene. And I think it makes Gendo's complete override of his... Um, will that much more traumatizing and horrifying and and a powerful moment um and shinji is a good boy i mean he's he's a mess but he's trying in spite of everything he is trying just to add to that i am very grateful that the, the decision was made not for us not to see the immense pain that toji was probably going through as like shinji's eva was like literally tearing um toji's eva apart like I, f- I feel like this, this this series could have easily gone there. As like hear all those painful mm-hmm. screams and just uh, all this blood everywhere and Toji just suffering, but thankfully we were just blessed to not, like not see that because I would I would like whew, that would have been a lot. Sometimes Ava chooses to be very restrained, and I think it has more impact when it goes that route. Um, especially because then when it decides not to be restrained, you're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, like when he starts cannibalizing the robot, oh, it, or Shinji's, or Shinji's scream my, uh... when he sees Gendo in there. Woof, <laughs> that was a lot. Um, that actually reminds me, um, you know, dunk because I've dunked on rebuild before. Why stop now? Um, the the second movie actually redoes this scene with Asuka's in the in the corrupted Ava, and Shinji knows it's her, and I feel. It's it's a brutal scene in abstract, but I feel like it doesn't have that emotional weight for his character because you're right, it, it does mean something that he just he it doesn't matter who it is. He's he doesn't want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. He's a good boy. He's doing his best. Uh, I still like him in this stretch, you know, because we're already twenty yeah. episodes in, and I still really like him. And like his monologue with Ray really hit me about like one of the reasons he's still piloting is because he's like. his suppression's coming out it's like I want people to notice me and like me and give a damn about me because if I didn't pilot this Mm. nobody would give a damn about me and I'm just like whew like how many times anyone who's ever been depressed has done things in order to get people to notice them even if they're not doing said things for maybe 100% good reasons right it's like yeah, you know, um, Brian, you might be able to answer this because this is something that I've been I've been wondering about. I think kind of since the first episode, but um, just in terms of like primary sources, has Ano or other people like come out and sort of explicitly said like, "Oh, Ava is about like you know my experience with depression or me working through my issues." I assume there's something like that because it sort of seems like it's uh, that particular aspect of it is taken for granted. Yeah, Anno's talked more than once. I, I mean, Ava primary sources are a thing to always take with a grain of salt because there are so many of them over so long that there are flat out contradictory things. But yeah, Anno has talked more than once about the fact that he was depressed during the show's creation. And a lot of the finale in particular was was born of stuff that he kind of read while he was working through stuff. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, just just watching it, and again, this is sort of a reaction to people's reactions, like, uh, in some places, I think especially in the first six episodes, when people say, like, oh, Ava's about depression, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can get that. But then sort of like we were saying earlier, I feel like a lot of, in a lot of other places, um, I guess it doesn't always feel to me like the show itself is supposed to be... Or maybe it's supposed to be, but it doesn't come across necessarily as like an intrinsic expression of, you know, depression, if that makes sense. I just put some words together. I'm not sure it did. But even um, sort of like you were just talking about Lizzie, you know, where um, Shinji's on the train and he's talking about, you know, like, I want to, I'm piloting the, the robot because I want people to like me. Um, I mean, I think you're, I think you're right, and that can be certainly something that people who are depressed, like an instinct that they have, but, and maybe this is just, you know, part something that makes the show richer. But I don't feel like a lot of things, including that, are necessarily like exclusively expressive of depression as an experience. 
Um, and even just like the internal monologues and stuff. So I don't know if I really have I really have a point, but maybe just for other for other listeners, maybe people who like feel like me is just because everybody tells you Ava's about depression doesn't mean that if you read certain scenes or certain things as like well that's you know there's there's more nuance to it than this is just you know um, Anno being depressed. You have company. You're not alone. I think a lot of people with very, uh, varying types of mental illness can and have found something of themselves in this show over the yeah, years. You definitely see that, especially in the stretch. But yeah, I can see why the show means so much to a lot of folks, right? Yeah, but I, I think I, I think I see where Isaac's coming from, though, because I think it's a pretty common experience for, I mean, especially especially young adults, kids, to want to, you know impress and be told a good job by adults and authority figures around them like you want to be acknowledged for doing good and the thing the the thing that really stuck out to me about the episode 20 monologue and kind of Shinji's little arc here and I'm curious to see if they end up backtracking or not is there is a very good moment in the Toji arc even though it is kind of manufactured to force Shinji to get back in the robot um, he makes a decision to leave and when he makes the decision to come back, it isn't for the same reason it was the first time where it was about, yeah. I don't really have anywhere to go. I want my dad to notice me and care about me. He doesn't give a sh- He's still pissed off at Gendo when he comes back. It's not like he's forgiven Gendo. He comes back because he sees Asuka and Rey struggling and suffering. And like Rey looks like she maybe just died. And he makes the, he makes the choice to come back because there's people he wants to help and keep safe and I think that's a big moment for his character to move from I'm doing this because I want somebody else to tell me I'm doing a good job to I'm doing this because I want you know to be a part of this community and there are other there are other people I want to look after and you know help Uh, and then in episode 20 when when we drag ourselves through all those monologues again uh, the one you mentioned I do really like that that scene with Ray because uh, one of the things he says there isn't so much like I'm doing this so people will like me it's I've been working so hard so would it kill you to just tell me good job and be nice to me like what's wrong with wanting that after fighting as hard as I've been fighting uh, and I think that's an extremely apt moment for him there to say you know I've, I've done all this I've made these decisions to come back could you guys please just like tell me I'm doing a good job and be nice to me for a fucking change um, yep. You know, it's that sense of of I really have been working hard and doing my best here. Um, and yeah, I it's 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 just it's a really subtle shift for his character that I liked a lot. Uh, and again, I think I don't think we needed an entire episode of Shinji talking to himself to get there. But yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. So I am curious to see if the last stretch moves forward with that or if it or if it doubles back on Shinji wanting his dad to notice him because I really hope it doesn't <laughs> I, I, I honestly before we um because I have other stuff I want to ask you guys but I do have to air my personal burning bugbear with that with that train scene because it drives me up the wall because uh, I think Shin I feel like the that monologue really squanders an important part of what should be a big part of Shinji's growth because he he is a teenager and teenagers don't empathy good. Uh, Shinji's, <laughs> Shinji's not Up very good um, at at like understanding that other people like he he gets it in an abstract sense and I think he's a sweet kid but he he he's still learning how to be like oh other people have problems you know other people are suffering too maybe my suffering does not. should not necessarily override you know when he asks people to be nice to him that's fair and that's that's valid to you know to use that word um but like also ray and oscar are suffering and they would like someone to praise them too and he's kind of you know falling into some traps of toxic masculinity in these episodes where before he gets sucked into the shadow um, he talks about how fighting's a man's job because yeah. he finally got some praise, and and you know there's the weird new the, there's the weird naked hallucination <sighs> and shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's all shit that Shinji should address to become a decent, empathetic adult. But the show brings it up by saying, "Haven't you ever thought about how your abusive father feels?" <laughs> no. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have taken a good question and, like, set it up on this horrible grounds. This silt ground. Yeah, I think this this arc, this show is, it keeps pushing up against a really, really good conversation about how gendered expectations and toxic masculinity are super harmful for everybody. It keeps it keeps bumping right up against it, and then it's like it doesn't quite realize what it's doing, and it slides around it. Yeah, uh, I think we and we talked about this in an early episode about like how like a lot of the guy adult males suck, and like Gendo's terrible, Kaiji's terrible. Um, or Kaji, excuse me, is terrible. And I think it's like the show has this vague idea that, yeah, like there are like these patterns of masculinity that are bad and harmful, but I don't think it has a clear idea of what, like, what the alternative is that to that is. And maybe that's something that's going to come up. Um, I know we've got another still major male character to introduce in the last couple episodes. Um, but that's the sen- that's the sense I get. It's it's like okay, we know Gendo's bad, we know Kaji's bad. Clearly, Shinji should not be modeling himself after either of those. Um, but it's not like he's got another like there's another male presence there to pose as an alternative. It's just sort of like these are bad and it's really shitty and he it makes Shinji feel really bad and oh that just sucks. So like how are we gonna get, how are we gonna get out of him out of it? Well. We don't really know. Maybe the three naked ladies will. (laughs) No, I was just going to say, and that's why, even though I can definitely see why a lot of people would be annoyed with Atsuka in this stretch. I mean, I get it. She pushed my limits a lot. But I I understood her frustration and why she performs this hyper masculinity that I'm so used to seeing (laughs) around me. Or at least I was used to seeing it a lot growing up. Because, you know, she's frustrated that... You know, folks are not paying attention to her and as well not giving her the praise that, you know, she obviously wants to. And she's also frustrated that everybody is kind of coddling uh, Shinji and ignoring like um, the the other girls, like, you know, like uh, girls around him who also need that support equally. Right. And now that mm-hmm. like now that like, I, I have nephews now, I, I'm starting to see like how like that can be easily placed like like placed on young boys this toxic sense of masculinity at a young age meanwhile like the other little ones who like they have little nieces who are unfortunately often ignored in the place of like wanting to like teach boys to like be this certain kind of manhood which is not great especially if you have you don't have really good role models there to show you an alternative so i got where atsuka's frustration was coming from like you know oh yeah atsuka is an extremely self-aware version of trinity syndrome which i find pretty fascinating Hmm. um so folks at home if you don't know trinity syndrome is uh coined from the matrix movie which is the hyper the the super competent hard-working female character who um basically gets pushed aside for the sake of the chosen one who is inevitably a male character um you see it in the lego movie as well actually (laughs) is a more modern example (laughs) um and it's it's this idea of like of you know but it's destiny so they'll naturally become you know the the stronger figure by the end and that is very much the sense that you get from ava and while it is kind of frustrating to play out i do appreciate that the show allows Asuka to be kind of aware of that and really, really angry about it. Because she should be. Uh, she has worked extremely hard for this, and Shinji, you know, hops in the robot on his first day and ex- achieves these ridiculous sync rates and is, has now surpassed her, um, which isn't necessarily a good thing, uh, because, again, achieving those goals of, like, being the hero and, and that kind of uh, aggressive action hero, again, toxic masculinity sort of thing... Mm-hmm isn't healthy and it's messing Shinji up pretty bad uh, but at the same time you know Asuka feels like she deserves it and she's not getting it because that's what the story told us is happening functionally right. well and she said she says something that really caught my attention like after Shinji's gone down into this sh- in the shadow 
um, Angel, and she's like talking to Ray, and Ray asked her something like, "Do you pilot your Ava because you want other people to praise you, or something mm-hmm. like that?" And she uh, says, "I pilot it because I want to praise myself." Yeah. Um, which you know, to some extent, you wonder like what you know, how much of that is is bluster, and how much it, or how much of that is like. Because I think that is definitely true, and when she says that, I believe it. And I think, but I think there are also signs on the side, like she also wants, you know, praise from other people, like Kaji, um, and whatnot. But I think, you know, that's, you know, it's an ex- uh, again just looking at like what you were saying. She is a person who, um, you know, she's doing some of this for herself, um, not just to please others, and it. And in that way, you know, she's sort of justified in all of her, in her frustration. Um, you know, she's not, yeah, she's not doing it for the same reasons Shinji is. Um, and that doesn't mean that structurally in terms of the plot that, you know, she should be diminished or even, you know, and diminished in the minds of, of, of the of viewers. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, she gets upset by this stuff too. It's just that she gets upset in a very outward, angry way. Like when she, when we cut back to her room and Toji and Shinji are in the hospital and she's just broken stuff and she's all alone at home. Nobody's thought to, to like send, take care of her and she doesn't know what's going on and it's frustrating and she feels so powerless and it's just so, my heart breaks for this child I always really, I, I always really liked the background friendship she develops with Hikari. That's like the mm-hmm. one healthy relationship at this point. Yeah. yeah, those poor kids trying desperately for normalcy in the midst of all this, and then it just pretty much immediately gets shattered. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. also sad that Lei. I know, like, I like that in this stretch that we see her expressing more emotions. She's showing some concern, even for Toji and like for those around her. Like, I like that she's sort of in a way reaching out like because like nobody has paid attention to her i mean look at her apartment it's like a mess there's blood everywhere too from all her wounds like no one really checks in on her as much you know even supposedly you know even though like everyone thinks gendo cares about her but obviously he doesn't he doesn't go to her apartment and clean up her her place or checks in on her just all alone just stares at her just stares at her when she's naked in a tube like a big creep. Oh, uh, oh but what, one thing I was going to say that, uh, right, you were talking earlier about how Shinji does an empathy good, and I, I, I get mm-hmm. where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think we've seen a lot of signs that he is a thoughtful kid at heart, because when they go over to Ray's apartment and his first thought is, oh, I should help her clean things up. Like, mm-hmm. she clearly needs a hand here. Uh, and Ray oh, yeah, really I think appreciates it's normal that. Teenage, like, normal teenage empathy not good, but... You know, sorry. Yeah, no, I guess my point was just, you know, Shinji has shown on multiple occasions, especially with Rei, like, he really kind of keeps an eye on her and is trying to understand her better. Uh, mm. He doesn't know how to do it yet, uh, but he is he is making some attempts, and so it is kind of uh, frustrating to see, like, the scene after he achieves that best sync rate and decides to be like fighting is a man's job uh it's Ugh. upsetting to see that after we've seen that you know he is a, a pretty sweet considerate kid who hasn't really he's starting to internalize all the gendered bullshit around him uh and i want it right, to when stop he says that you definitely f- oh mm-hmm. yeah you definitely feel like he, he's repeating it because it's something that he's heard not because it's like necessarily something that he actually believes mm-hmm yeah, because up to this point, he's been visibly uncomfortable with a lot of the gendered talk. But now it makes him. But now he's, you know, strong and impressive, and people are praising him for it. So he's leaning into it more. Uh, which again, I think the show keeps bumping up against these very good portrayals of how people can start to internalize that kind of that kind of uh, sexist bullshit. I feel like the series. I wanted, I'm trying really hard not to compare Ava to Utna because they're very different shows that just happen to be made around the same time and have huge cultural impacts on both the anime industry and fandom in general. Now, in fairness, they share a lot of general. the same crew. <laughs> okay, they share a lot of the same crew, too. That's true. I, but I'm still trying to, because they're very different shows exploring very different things. But one of the things that makes Utna so good is it is very aware of the power structures in place. And Ava is hitting on all of the things that these powers that these oppressive power structures create 
but it keeps kind of zooming back into it being a very individual thing. It doesn't seem as aware of the broader scope of the of the discussions, like of the fact that this internalized sexism is everywhere and is not specifically a Shinji Gendo thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think you're mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. right. And I think that's why it keeps touching on these subjects in really in really good and uh, uh, realistic ways, but never quite makes that final step into, you know, pulling back the curtain and outright condemning it or outright, you know, really discussing how this is how this is working for every character. It keeps kind of zeroing it back into just Shinji. Yeah. Well, and and like it'll also do stuff with with the female characters too where like there'll be that really good stuff with with Asuka and her frustrations and then like the thing that kicks off Ray realizing she maybe has a little bit of a crush on Shinji is him telling her she'd be a good housewife. Ugh, yeah. Yeah. And the whole and Kaji's whole men and women are like stuff combo at the wedding which I'm not entirely sure the show wants us to think is bullshit. I don't know what to do with Kaji. Does anybody on here know what to do with Kaji? Isaac, you just said he sucks and that was your answer I, I, and that's maybe a solid answer. I mean, he he does say women women are aliens at one point, which Rai, I remember you talking yeah. about that last last time. But yeah, yeah, because I feel like it's backed off on he's like kind of a shitty flirtatious dude, and now like he has that moment. He has like almost had like some role model, like some scenes that were framing him as a role model, like when he and Shinji are sharing the room when he's like out watering his watermelons, even though he'd rather be hanging out with Masato. Between her melons, rip that line from the old dub. Uh, So yes, so yeah, it's it's because I don't really like him, and I don't and I don't trust him. um, But it seems like the show's framing of him has, uh, you know, it's just shifted a little bit. Um, So yeah, and so I think that's part of what makes it maybe hard to pin him down is because when he came in, he was just kind of this flirtatious womanizer, um, and now he's you know sort of helping unravel some mysteries and maybe being sort of a role model for Shinji, but no, Shinji, don't yeah. don't use him as your role model. But while also still coaster. harassing poor Maya on the job. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that poor girl. She's seen, like, enough angel gore for one lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, there's multiple... And the, these last two episodes, there's, like, multiple scenes of her just being, like, she, like covering her face, looking yeah, away. Yeah, and I... She just wants to type into her computer. Yeah, Kachi is all about... Yeah, his whole line about, like, women are mysterious. I don't get them. They're like a river. I'm like, calm yourself down, guy. It's like, you know, (laughs) it's not that deep or complicated. I mean, the only admirable thing about you is I I wish to reach your level of unconcern while every... There's like... Because he's like... He's he's there watering his watermelons while, like, there's angels and Ava's fighting right... in front of him unconcerned i'm like wow that's yes that's a mood as well as gendo he doesn't care if like blood is splattering all over him he'll just keep watching <laughs> unconcerned it's a metaphor I was like, okay you two have a level of unbothered i want to reach at one point in life but yeah well i think you want kaji's because gendo's is yeah. more like i'm a psychopath that's why I'm not bothered. And Kaji's just like, ah, the world's going to shit anyways. Yeah. What the hell? But the Kaji abides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I think what really, I think we're getting there now. Like, what really makes me, unco- what really actually made me uncomfortable throughout this stretch was all this underlining tone. It was like, I'm going to, like, sleep with people who sort of remind me of my parents. It's like, okay. It's like, and Misato revealed, like, one of the reasons she was dating Kaji. It's like, you kind of remind me of my dad. I'm like, stop talking. Stop stop right there. And then that when you see the nude imagery and then after, of like, Misato, Atsuka, and Rei, and then you see, like, a shadow, which I assume is his mother. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like. <laughs> yeah. So what do y'all think about Shinji seeing his mom while he's in the soup? I guess I I, I can't say from the show because I don't think, I don't know if I would have figured it out yet but i know the spoiler Ah. for why he's seen his mom and i made a really good uh really well i say really good but really bad joke about it on twitter one time (laughs) but i'll save that (laughs) save that for later i think all of the it's not i think all of the data is there now but you'd have to be 
a very close watcher to have picked up all of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think for me, it's just like, for me, it just reminded me, like, the whole mommy and daddy kinks like people some folks are into and i'm like psychologically i get where that comes from but that doesn't mean i'm like like no i i'm comfortable with it i'm like no i get that you have a lot of things to work out especially if like especially if you've been kicked out of your home for a lot of reasons and you want this connection with somebody and like older folks be older folks preying on little ones or young ones right so, but still, it's like, oh, I don't like daddy and mommy kinks. It's so... Uh. <laughs> There's a lot of Oedipal stuff because Lacan was reacting to Freud specifically. Oh. Did I mention that? He was also a psychoanalyst. Oh, Freud. Oh, well, Freud. yeah, you can tell. You can <laughs> you can feel the Freudian and stuff, too. Oh, for Freud. Sure. He needs mm-hmm. to just stop. <laughs> I mean, he's dead, but still, <laughs> it's just like it's not stopped he did enough. Enough. Like, He still needs to stop. <laughs> not sufficiently stopped. Can I? Sorry, can I just circle back to Kaji real quick? Because yes, I, no, please. I, I don't. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's a little uncertain with him because I do not know what the series wants me to do with him because this this stretch I kept going, okay, Kaji, that was a pretty good thing. Oh, no, Kaji, that was a shitty thing. Okay, Kaji, that was a pretty good thing. <laughs> Just cycling like that. Because, like, the, the conversation we keep talking about him and Shinji in the bedroom, it starts with Shinji talking about trying to understand other people and Kaji's like, well, at a certain point, you're never going to know 100% everything about somebody else. You probably won't know everything about yourself. And then he basically says, that's okay, though. Makes life interesting interesting the you know communication and trying to trying to trying to reach a point where you can sort of understand each other and i'm like mm-hmm. hey kaji pretty solid advice for a 14 year old trying to figure this stuff out right like well you know it's okay if you don't understand somebody 100% but the effort is important in trying to empathize with people good job kaji and then immediately he goes oh but women them they're the worst am i right uh and then i'm like no you fucked it up you fucked it all up in kansas city kaji what are you doing uh so i i don't know what to do with him and i don't know what the show i think the the most frustrating thing for me is i don't know what the show wants me to do with kaji yeah i don't think the show knows either yeah so he's all over the place this stretch and i yeah i can't get a read on if i'm supposed to see him as a decent mentor maybe he's just supposed to be as complicated and messy as misato who is also at times you know wonderful and at other times a uh self-loathing spiral of a mess um even though i love her and she's kind of the heart of these episodes i feel like her genuine concern oh, that was her genuine concern for shinji uh in both of the moments where it looks like he might be dead or soup uh is really affecting to me because so many of the adults in this show very clearly don't give a shit about the kids outside of what can they do for me um and mm. misato genuinely wants them to be okay and she's not very always good at expressing that uh but i think it is important to have her there as this kind of emotional balance to all this very sort of distance and, and logical uh authority figures on the other side of things and i like that she gets mm-hmm. mad too especially when she slaps Litsuko let's go in the face like a couple of times in this stretch because yeah. because like she's it's very now she's very much aware that a lot of stuff is being kept secret from her and and mm-hmm. it's clear to her that let's go and everyone else in the higher ups they really don't care about the kids it's all about the data what that data can do for them you know if their life is gone then you know whatever and then you find out that apparently shinji's entire class is like their candidates to become Ava pilots, if need be, if one of them mm-hmm. goes down, you know. So, I, I that was a surprise, by the way. But beyond that, I'm like, <laughs> she cares about them. I mean, she's. I feel like she's the only one who genuinely cares about saving the pilots, and no matter what the situation is. But it's also really eerie to see that they're expendable if something happens to them. Yeah, I, I'm honestly like, as much as I love Shinji, and I have intense empathy for him i'm prepared to call misato the hero of the series like she is she's not just smart and like caring but she's the only one actively trying to get to the bottom of things you know everybody else mentions time and time again that like well we've got this stuff i don't really know where it came from or what it does it was here when i came on and like there's this sort of unsettling 
lack of curiosity as to the progeny of like this science and what what was what it took to get it mm-hmm. yeah she's really the only one going like do you does no one else think it's kind of weird that these giant robots like have teeth and like are eating the angels like Very anybody anyone teeth. anyone she's like looking around and people are like and and Reese goes like ah yeah it broke oh, hey, out they also grow that human arms bad. <laughs> a human arm I was like okay what is that apparent apparently that's what's under their armor so that's terrifying <laughs> big uh, teeth the Avas are terrifying uh yeah Misato I actually I'm glad you said that because I had a note that I sort of snarkily wrote down this time around that was Misato should have been the protagonist um I yeah she is she's she's a very well-written character and I think she's one of the few characters in this stretch who they don't this stretch very much zeroes back in on Shinji to a to I think sometimes the show's detriment because the last stretch did such a good job of expanding the cast that zooming back in now feels like we're taking Mm -hmm. a step backwards but the show keeps checking in with Misato and giving her an arc and internal conflict and uh this relationship where she's trying to look after these kids even though she also has to send them out into danger and she's trying to figure out what's going on uh so I think she I think she comes across the best in this stretch beyond Shinji because it does sort of feel like both I mean Ray gets a little bit Asuka gets a little bit but it sort of feels like they get pushed up on a shelf more to act as vehicles to make Shinji do things than as proper characters which was a bit frustrating mm-hmm. yeah I think that's when we talk about thematic frustrations with this arc and not being sure what the show is trying to say or you know what what the hell Kaji is there for I think that is a symptom of the fact that Ano is working through things through Shinji and so everything is filtered through Shinji's like neuroses and point of view and that's not where the show was heading and I super don't want to come down on Ano for that because like good for you dude I'm glad you worked through your depression this was you know cathartic and uh therapeutic for you and I don't want to you know again this is soup this show is very important for a lot of people and one of the reasons a lot of people are very uh defensive of it is because it also had that deep personal emotional connection mm-hmm. um you know I mean uh, for, I think we talked about this off off recording the other day and I was like damn we should have talked about this on recording but mm-hmm. right you were saying you've you know people who have said like Ava literally saved my life yeah, pe- people on the site, um, we did a talk post when the Netflix uh, premiere dropped, and there w- there was more than one person who said, you know, I-, I would be dead if I hadn't had Evangelion. Like, it is a important show for people. And I, and I you know, I mean, I've, I, I feel like I've been extremely critical this stretch, uh, and I do not want to minimize that or take that away from people. Like, I think that's wonderful that Ava has done that for so many people. Um, I am in the unenvi- we are in the unenviable position where we are also media critics analyzing and criticizing a show. And so if there are hiccups within the show itself, I want to talk about those, but I don't want that to sound like I'm snubbing my nose at people who have had these, you know, important personal one-on-one experiences with the show that it's been s- that it helped them because again, I think that's wonderful and there is there is no interest on my side of taking that away from anybody. Yeah, I mean, I know I've had occasions on like many, many occasions where somebody's talked about a show that I loved and they've had criticisms or whatever. And I've just like read those or heard those and been like, you just don't get it. And I'm (laughs) sure to an extent, you know, like when I say like some of the stuff we've talked about this episode, there are going to people who watch this and be like, wow, you, you people have missed the entire point of what this show is about. You don't understand anything. And um, yeah, so I don't know, like, yeah, just, I think, so I, yeah, I appreciate what you say, D. just, and I just, just want to echo that for myself is that, yeah, certainly don't want to come down against anybody's, like, personal experience with the show, and just recognizing that, you know, to some extent, like, like the show itself has said, like, I can't understand what other people's experiences, especially the really intense ones, I can't understand what those experiences are like, or were like for you, um, you know, it's just not possible for me to sit in your shoes in that way. Um, and just to acknowledge that, you know what, that's, that's okay. And you know, you're right. I just, I don't, I just don't get it. I have missed the point and, um, I apologize. I deeply apologize, (laughs) but not really because, you know, that's my experience of the show and 
we're all going to have our our own reactions yeah i can agree to that it's definitely yeah. important to acknowledge that for hey i totally get it this show meant to so a lot to so many people and that's 100 percent valid and you know but we are going to have our own you know critiques of the show and hopefully people will be receptive to it right <laughs> but you know but yeah as of now like i think ava's doing a lot of interesting things like there's a lot to critique of so far but but um yeah i don't know so far i'm, I'm having a pretty decent time if that makes any sense you know i like that shinji is such mm-hmm. a soft boy and i'm like you know and it's I can it's frustrating to see as of now maybe they'll change in the last stretch and I might hate him but I liked but you know it's frustrating now that I've seen so much criticism about him being so soft right and I'm just like and I'm just like what is as of now I'm like okay what is wrong with him being so soft like this is a perfect this is a valid way to be in the world you know and he's not soft all yeah, the time. Yeah. Like he, after that, after he threatens to blow up the entire HQ, which to be yeah. fair, you know, maybe a little bit of a like hissy fit from a team. <laughs> but then you know he likes he's like very assertive and stands up. His dad's yeah. like, "Do you have anything to say for yourself?" And basically he's just like, "Yeah, piss off, I'm leaving." And I'm like, "Yeah, go Shinji." Yes. Like, I how how do you not like like the way he makes that decision for himself and then takes action and then follows through? And then obviously he changes his mind later, but I, you know, we've kind of talked about that already. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I think, uh, I don't know. I There's a lot, to, a lot more to like about Shinji than to dislike. Yeah, I like, think. I like that he stood up, like he finally is at a point where he does not need this man's approval anymore. He can make affirmative decisions on his own and that's valid. I mean, how many of us have been in that position where we feel really disenfranchised and against like people who are toxic in our lives and then to make that decision to say no and like i don't have to put up with your crap or deal with whatever you're telling me i i can walk away i mean that's a really empowering thing for like a kid like shinji to say and do to a man who's brought him nothing but misery yep (laughs) yeah i uh I don't, I don't know if this was intentional of the show, but uh, I think folks coming down super hard on Shinji is those same gendered expectations in the show itself manifesting in the real world, and mm-hmm. it might be a good idea to examine that if that's your first instinct. And I say that as somebody who watched this when I was about Shinji's age, 14, and got frustrated at him for, uh, for not uh, getting in the robot, as the, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have since examined those those feelings and realized that they were unfair. And Shinji's, like you guys said, I like Shinji this time through, and I think he's a, I think he's a really well written character. And it sucks that both the people in the show and the audience are trying to like hammer out those compassionate soft points of his. Yeah. Plus, like just factually, he gets in the robot a lot. Like he's in he the does. robot probably more than he's not in the robot yeah, overall. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like funny. You like hear these memes, and I'm like, I'm expecting you know like scenes and scenes of him no. being like, no, I'm not getting in the robot. But that really doesn't <laughs> yeah, happen. Like, no. He's like in it all the time. Yeah. So that fact is incorrect. <laughs> uh, this True. warms my heart, and I'm sad that I have to to wrangle us all in now. Uh, Rapid fire, quick shot. Do you do you all have any last predictions for this uh, final stretch of episodes? I still got my fingers crossed. They're going to talk it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we have to end it. <laughs> well, we, unfortunately, we have to do our housekeeping, so Peter can't just bring in the music right there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, alas. I have no predictions. I just want Asuka to get to like actually win a battle for once. That would be nice, but I don't think it's going to happen. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But it, it would, would be nice. It would be nice. Oh. Yeah, I want I want the young girl pilots to get equal attention and love but i don't feel like that's gonna happen and like, yeah that would be super yeah, nice i, I have mm-hmm. a feeling kaji's gonna die because he said so like not he not really he's just like this is the last gift i'll give you it's like okay so i guess they're gonna die and it's probably gonna get more trippy from here because i felt episode 20 is when that's when it started getting really trippy i was like okay so mm-hmm. i'm expecting a lot more annoying trips on this one <laughs> you're not wrong okay. <laughs> I love this so much. 
Okay. Uh, so if you are watching along with us at home, next time your homework is for episodes 21 through 26, which is the TV ending of the series. It'll be fun and exciting, and I'm sure everyone will have a lot to say. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode. If you liked what you heard, you can find more of it on SoundCloud by looking uh, for Chatty AF or on our website at AnimeFeminist.com. If you really liked it, why not toss us a dollar at Patreon.com slash AnimeFeminist. Every little bit helps uh, to help us pay our contributors and our editors so we can keep making content on the page and in your ears. You can also get hold of us on social media. We are on Facebook at AnimeFem, we're on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and we are on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. Thanks again so much for joining us, and remember, it's okay to stop giving a fuck about your toxic parent figures. <laughs> Piss off, Gendo. Yes. Piss off, Gendo. Hell yes.